Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. And today we're going to be talking about yielding. And, uh, you know, when we look at the prayers of Jesus, there's over 60 prayers of Jesus. <clears throat> The, one of the prayers that stands out to me the most is found here in Matthew chapter 26 that we're going to be discussing this morning. It's where Jesus is praying to the Father. And uh, many of the images we see on the on the intro and things like that are of this actual prayer that Jesus is praying. You know, Jesus, when we talk about Jesus, Jesus didn't live according to his own will, his own mandate, according to his own desires. Jesus had two natures. We've talked about this a lot. Jesus was fully God and fully man. But Jesus had to live a life to totally yielded to the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus lived a life that was totally yielded to God. That's why he said things, which we've referenced many times during the series, like, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only, I, I only function on what my Father is saying. And so Jesus lived this life that was totally yielded to the Father, and he is our pattern. We are Christians, right? We are people that are following Christ. So we want to be people that are also totally yielded to the Father. And so we're going to look at this prayer and see Jesus' heart for us, and empowered by the Spirit, um, we'll be able to accomplish that. We'll be able to live lives that are yielded. How many I want to live a life surrendered to God, yielded to God? He said, man, God, I, not my will, but your will be done. And I think that's where we want to be. And this is the prayer that we're going to talk about today. And again, Jesus needed to pray this, right? I mean, this is right before Jesus is, is arrested. It's right before the crucifixion, all this. And, and I, I will say this now. I was going to say it later, but I'm going to say this now. If Jesus didn't pray this prayer right here, if Jesus didn't have these moments in Matthew 26, Jesus would not have been able to endure the cross. But it's because Jesus got before his father. Listen, he knew this, the intensity of what Jesus knew. He knew what the next, the, the coming hours were going to be. He knew how intense it was going to be for the people. He knew that he was going to take on the sins of humanity. He knew how hard it was going to be. And he didn't choose to go home and get a good night's rest. I mean, that's what I would have done. I would have been like, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to like be, I'm going to suffocate. I'm going to be dehydrated. So I need to go to not sleep. So I get well rested and go do my race. He said, no, there's something more important than sleep. Me yielding my strength and relying on my father. So here's the prayer. Matthew chapter 26. And Jesus went with them, the disciples, to an olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. So he took Peter. And Zebedee's two sons, James and John, this was Jesus' core boys. These are his boys. They went with Jesus everywhere. Peter, James, and John. How I many of you know he had the twelve? And then he had the three. And then he had he, then he had special moments with Peter, where he said, Go tell the disciples and Peter, don't forget to tell Peter. And then he had other things with John, which John was the one that said, Lord, can I just rest my head on your chest? So Jesus had intimacy in in his inner core, right? So he had this you know, when he had the followers and things like that, which tells us, I, I want to be like John. I want to be the one that crawls up and be like, what are you saying? I want to hear what's on your heart. And so he calls these three, and, and he says this, and he became anguished and distressed. How many of y'all have ever been anguished or distressed before? All right. Now multiply that times like 10,000. That's what Jesus is experiencing here. 
He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Now, come on. Now, this is Jesus. Jesus is a positive guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he got like a smile on his face. He loves children. Come on. He created birds. We're talking about Jesus, and he is saying this language right here. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. It's intense. On our worst day, it's not even close. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he tells the disciples, he gathers up, he's like, watch with me. We're going to pray, but you watch. You watch him pray. And he went a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Now here's Jesus in the moment, realizing what his destiny is, and he goes, do we really have to do this? Now Jesus knew. He knew he was about to take on the suffering. And in the suffering, he was taking upon the sins of humanity. He was taking all the judgment that we would ever receive for our sins. Jesus was bearing that in his body. He knew that that was about to happen. And he gets before the Father and he goes, I don't really want to do it. And then he says this, but not my will. Yet I want your will to be done not mine. Then he returned to his disciples and found them asleep. Hmm. He said to Peter, could you not watch on me even one hour? Keep watching praise so that you will not give in temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I'm convinced that if Peter would have stayed up praying, he wouldn't have been denied later. Come on, are you with me? But instead he chose to sleep. I need to sleep, Lord. It's going to be hard. If what you said earlier was true. I should get a good night's sleep. Keep watching, pray that you do not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, if this cup can be, cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping. For they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again. And then he said to his disciples, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, <laughs> he was kind of teasing them. He's like, go ahead, go ahead, guys, this time, go ahead and go ahead and sleep. I got it. It's all good. Go ahead and just take a sleep. Oh, wait, <laughs> right? No, wait, wait a second. Look, the time has come that some man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Oh, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. So here, here's the the picture. Jesus is going to this place called Gethsemane. He's praying with his disciples. He, he's wanting his boys there. He's wanting a support group to pray with him, to endure with him, to have community with him, to dig, to go through the darkest hour that he's experienced thus far. He wants somebody to go through it with him, and they're sleeping. And so he says, if you go with me, and then they don't, and then Jesus, we know the real anguish is that he knows about what's about to happen, but he also knows that he's got to fulfill the Father's will. This is intense. And so Jesus showed us what it's like to yield to the Father even when we really don't want, want to. Even though it's the hardest thing we've ever had to do, we have to yield. That's called faith. That's called faith. The hardest thing that you know that God wants you to do, and you don't want to do it, but you do it. And you say, not my will. Sadly, in our culture, 
what we tend to do is go, well, I don't want to do it. I guess God doesn't want me to. Right? And God's saying, you know what I want you to do. And it's not even anywhere close. Well, he was Jesus. But he showed you what is possible. So we're going to talk this morning a little bit about yielding to the Father. Y'all all right? Okay. Now listen, even Jesus... Now, if Jesus had to yield to the Father's will, how much more do we have to yield to the Father's will? Because, I mean, he was, Jesus was doing everything right. Right? I mean, he, he was doing everything right, yet he still had to yield. We're doing mostly things right. Like 60%. That's pretty good. That's a good number, right? How many of y'all say you're probably above the 50% mark? Okay. I hope so. I hope I'm above the 50% mark. I'm, I'm, I'm working like getting above the 90% mark of doing those kind of things right. Right? So I know that the, the more I'm yielded, the, the higher that obedience is going to go. Right? Come on. So let's talk about that this morning. How do we yield to the Father? How did Jesus yield to the Father? First of all, we understand that yielding is a process. See, yielding to God is a lifetime process, not a one-time payment. I'm sorry if somebody told you that you can come to church and you can come say a prayer and then that's the end of it. I'm sorry if somebody told you that. That is not the truth. That is the beginning of it. That is the beginning of a lifelong process of you yielding your life to God. Jesus didn't come to be your little token prayer. Jesus came to be your savior. Jesus came to be the king of your life. Jesus came to influence the world around you. That's what he came for. And he wants you to just say yes to him. But not just yes one time at an altar or yes one time before you go to bed. But yes in every decision that you make that you say, Lord, I am willing. Yes. Jesus, and this is how tough it is. If it was tough for Jesus, now Jesus' cup was way, way heavier than our cup will ever be. But even Jesus had to yield three times. He prayed the same prayer three times. He really wanted to get out of it. Let's just be real. Jesus wanted to get out of it. He asked the Father, can I get out of it? But I know your will. Your will be done. I really want to get out of it. But your will be done. Father, I really want to get out of it, but I know what your will is. Your will be done. Yielding to God is a lifetime process. If Jesus had to pray three times in, 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 in a, overnight, then, then we have to pray like three times every day. Come on, are you with me? Or every moment of every day, every minute. <laughs> Come on, how many of of y'all struggle with yielding to God sometimes? You're like, you know what God wants you to do, and you're just like, uh. But grace. And then at the end of it, we go, but great, the grace. And we treat grace like it's cheap. That's why it's got a bad reputation. Grace empowers you to say no to your carnal desires. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So don't do ungodliness and say, but it's grace. No, no, no. No, grace empowered you to say no. You said no to grace. So it's important to remember a couple of things when we talk about yielding as a process. Number one, remember this, that he is working in us. He is working in us. He's not just working on you, right? God's working on me. No, God's working in you. And there's a difference. He's not working from the outside in. He's working from the inside out. He's working in you. Uh, see, one of the things that's interesting is Jesus wanted companions, 
Right? I mean, he got frustrated with the disciples. They were, they were like, like sleeping. They're his boys. He wanted them there. He knew that this was going to be hard. He wanted them there. What are they doing? They're sleeping. I mean, I've ever experienced that before. Like, you want somebody to be there. I've experienced that a couple times this past week. I want somebody to be there to help me. And they weren't there. I'm like, where are they at? Where are they at? Right? That's what Jesus is experiencing. Where are they at? Where are they at? What are you guys doing? Are you sleeping? What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? I need you. But can I tell you today that we will never be alone in our process. Because just as Pastor Leslie prayed earlier, we have the comforter inside of us. Working in us. Helping us to say no. And helping us to say yes. Because yielding is a lot more about the yes than it is the no. We, we look at what we got to say no to. We need to start looking at what we're saying yes to. Come on. Yes. <clears throat> Y'all okay? Yes. All right. Philippians chapter 2. Y'all are quiet today. Y'all going to have to chip her up or I'm going to preach till 2. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2 until you start amen me. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2 says, work hard. Oh, what? Hmm. Striving. Yeah, there it is right there. Strive. Strive to show the results of your salvation. We're not striving for salvation. We're not working uh, for God. We're working from God, right? Are you with me? Work hard to show the results of your salvation. So it's something you already got. You're working from it. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Oh, this is a New Testament scripture, by the way. For God is working in you. Get your Bible. Underline that word in. God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So God isn't working in you so that you can feel good about every bad decision you make. God is working in you so you can please him. That's why God's working in you. You okay today? Am I preaching too hard? This is the way God works in us. So there's a scripture and I'm going to illustrate it. Matthew 13, 13. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now, we call this kneading. Y'all that ever baked with yeast, you know this. Most of the time, we just buy the package. It's already got it in there. And so what happens, you got to knead the dough to work the yeast in there. Leslie, Pastor Leslie makes these cakes. Uh, she made one this week, and uh, she made a cake, and she uses this material on there. Material. It's not really material. It's a, what do you, an ingredient called fondant. That's what, that's what the cake boss calls it, the fondant. We call it fondant. And uh, anyway, she makes the fondant, and so it starts off white because it's made of, like, marshmallows and sugar and goody stuff like that. And so she has to make it all, and it starts off white. But then she has to add some color to it. And so she has these little bitty things called food coloring and she puts in there. And what is it, babe? Black's hard to make and red's hard to make, right? And so to make that dough is really what it looks like, this ball of fondant, in order to make it a color, she got to put a little bit of that stuff in there, right? A little bit of that food coloring. Now, she didn't go buy a big old package of food coloring and dip the fondant in it. She just puts a couple of drops until it permeates the dough, until it permeates the fondant. But it's not an easy process. I've watched her do it. 
It's like she's MMA fighting. She has this ball of white dough, and she, like, drops some drops in there, and she's like. Throwing elbows in it, like rolling it around, like working on it for like 45 minutes or an hour trying to get this fondant red or black. And she's just working the dough. And she's got, she got red all over her hands. I mean, it's messy. And I'm like in the other room, staying far, far away. Or I try to make sure I have something to do when she's doing this. Because it's work. What is she doing? She's working it in there. It's just, it's just a little bit of food coloring, but it needs to permeate every single part of the dough. And that's what Jesus is talking about like that. When you have the yeast, you've got to work that dough. You've got to work it in there until it permeates every part. How many know that we have a God that is working in us, that he is permeating his goodness in us, that he is permeating in us his beauty, that he's working on us? I love this. John 12. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. Can I tell you today that you can't keep it anyway? (laughs) Why not yield your life to God? You can't keep it anyway. Well, I just want to live my own life. How is that working out for you? Because I know whenever I'm doing my own thing, I'm just usually screwing myself up and making things miserable for those around me. But the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground down. down. Jesus is talking about this. He said, like a seed. You, you take an apple seed. You know what an apple seed has? It has a destiny. You know what the destiny of that apple seed is? It's to die. Because in order to die, it will resurrect and do orchards. It won't be there tomorrow, but it will be there. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. That's what it's got to do. The seed has to stop being a seed. Where'd the seed go? Oh, it's a tree now. It's producing lots of seeds. That's what God is doing in our lives. You're a seed now. Not anymore. Now you're producing seeds. Multitudes of seeds. Number three, the process only works if we endure. Listen, again, do not bail on the tension. Don't break under the pressure. Don't break under the, atten- the tension. Uh, I love Galatians 6, 9. This has just been a life verse for us. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest. We'll reap that tree. We'll reap those seeds if we do not give up. The key is if we do not give up. So what's going to happen with, with a lot of people is that it's, it's a, the breakthrough is about to happen. They're in the tension. The breakthrough is about to happen. They're about to get it. It's about to, ah, they give up. It just, why did you give up? It got too hard. How beautiful would it have been if you would have endured and seen what God could do? Because he wasn't finished. You were just finished. We've just got to yield ourselves to the process and not give up until it's done. Are you all right? Some of you are in process right now in your life. You're dealing with some things. You're dealing with some frustration. You're dealing with some tension. Can I tell you today, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Just keep going. Don't don't get weary in doing good. I'm going to be listening to this message this week. I am because I'm going to have a stressful week. I know what this week's going to look like for me, but I'm not going to give up. 
It all comes to the understanding to know that God's plans are better. God's plans are better. It might not look good right now, God's plan. You're like, God, what are you doing? Sometimes we have to get to the end before we look back and say, God did really have a good plan. God really did. How many of you ever done, done that? You've gone through something really difficult in your life, and you look back at it, and you're like, man, that sucked. That was so hard. And you look back, and you go, God's so good. Look how he worked it out. But in the middle of it, you remember how you felt in the middle? You're like, ah, ah my soul is in anguish. I don't know. I'm going to quit. No, I'm just going to hold on for just one more day. Oh. oh, man, that was hard. And then you get to the end and you go, man, look at what God did. Right? Hindsight's always 20-20. So don't give up. Can I tell you, trust God's plan. It is an upgrade. God's plan is better than your plan. It's an upgrade. You've got to understand that, that it's an upgrade. No matter how good you think your plan is, God's plan is better. We think we can run our lives better than he can. I mean, do we really think that we have a better plan than God? But every time we choose what we want over what he wants, we are saying that we have a better plan. When I bail on the process, when I know that God's called me to do something, or God's called me through something, when I bail on the process, I say this, I have a better plan than God. My plans are better. I'm a better king than Jesus. Can I tell you today, resurrection life is way better than the life that we're holding on to. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that seed that produces. And again, let me say this, because Jesus was willing to pray, your will be done. Because he was willing to pray, your will be done. He was able to pray, Father, forgive them. He was, he was able to pray. It is finished. Why? Because he dealt with the tension. I love what it says in Hebrews. It says he endured the cross and despised the shame. And then it says this, and now he seats at the right hand of God. He endured the process. Can I tell you today, I, your struggle's real. My struggle's real. But none of our struggles are as hard as the struggle that Jesus went through. Let us consider him. This is the way that scripture starts off. So fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, with the joy that was set before him. He didn't look too joyful, but he knew what was coming. He didn't just know the cross was coming. He knew that we were coming. The joy that was set before him endured the cross despise the shame, and it's now set at the right hand of the throne of God because he is willing to endure the process. Why would Jesus go through all that? Why would he do that? I mean, really? I mean, that's crazy. A God like that would love a man like me. Can I tell you today, that's the best news? Jesus was not simply a martyr. He's the Savior. The Savior, saving humanity from a deep ocean of sin, death, and judgment. He didn't die to enhance our life. He died to redeem our life, to give us a new life, a life worth yielding to. 
Can I tell you today that I'm not, I'm not going to get up here and tell you as your pastor, I'm not going to say that everything is going to be good, easy all the time. It's not going to be. But I can't tell you one thing is absolutely sure. He will always be with you, and he's not done with you. And that it might not go the way that you want, but God's making you better. This is why he did it, Romans 5, 6. Nate, can you come up? When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people wouldn't be willing, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed, here it is, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we were murderous, lousy, evil, conniving, unfit, unworthy sinners. I mean, he just throws them all. Just, let's give them one name, sinners. While we were still jacked up, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. When you were not wantable, when you were an enemy with God, this is what sinners are in Scripture. Sinners are enemies of God. When you were an enemy with God, Jesus came and he said, I want you still. I still want you. Even though you did that, even though you think like that, even though you treated them like that, even though you feel like that, I want you. While we were sinners, if nobody else wanted you, he did. Well, we're yet sinners. Christ died for us. And since we have been made right with God, made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. 